three, two, one. Digging in the crates. Digging in the crates. Digging in the crates. Digging in the crates. Let's take it back. It's that intro. Well, goddamn, that sounded official. <laughs> Dude, I was ready to say worldwide, <laughs> man. Damn, you know? Man, that gave me chills because that kicked off our show every week. And it just man, felt good. It felt good. That felt good. Thanks, guys. Yeah. All right. So uh, let's see. Hopefully, people can hear. Oh boy! Yeah, that'd be nice. <laughs> <laughs> so we're back on. We uh, we took a uh, technical break, uh, and uh, I think I don't know. Hopefully, we're 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 good here on this Twitch channel. All right. So last time we left off, uh, we were talking about Public Enemy and uh, Public Enemy. Oh, Public Enemy. Enemy. <laughs> uh, shout out to John, the late great John Witherspoon. Uh, public enema. It's good uh, we got to meet him. Oh man, was he? He, he was a, the sweetest, kindest guy. Took time to take pictures with everybody, right? And he was just so down to earth, and he just kicked it like in the studio. He just kicked it. And one thing I really enjoyed about him was, you know, how when these celebrities become huge and they known for a certain catchphrase, uh-huh. and then they don't want to do it no more. Like, don't I don't do that no more. <laughs> I'm he was always down to do everything that he was known for from Friday. So I really appreciated that. Did you get a bunch of that stuff on tape? I did. Uh, now he, I got it. Now he's got some great stuff. He's got uh, Reverend Jesse Jackson was in there. Yep. Uh, All digging in the crate stuff, man. What, Reverend Al Sharpton was in there as well. We, we had some really good people that went in there and sat sat with you, Naki. Yep. And, uh, man, we got to dig in those crates. Digging some of Naki's crates. <laughs> <laughs> I have plenty. So, um, we were talking about Public Enemy and how impactful and how much they spoke to a generation. And you know what? I don't really feel that right now with any particular group or artist that really was part of a movement because that that felt like you know black awareness and and it's just it just bringing and, and I don't know where it went. It just kind of veered away. Like somehow the big companies were able to shut that down right. um, but i remember man everyone moving away from the big uh glitzy dookie ropes and and all of a sudden wearing you know uh black medallions and, 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 yep. and beads and all that yeah. right right so yeah. you're moving away from the materialistic stuff and that was the imaging that was going along with the music at the time mm-hmm. and somehow some way this big machine changed it up again there were some lanes, though. Remember, there were there was some definitive lanes in hip hop, R and B. The new Jack Swing sound was coming out mm-hmm. there too, and it really was getting fragmented and splintered. And I guess you know the big machines behind these artists were saying, "Hey, you need to do a little more shiny suit stuff if you really want right. to get those those record sales." <laughs> You want to have yeah. that. You want to have that video. You know, pop on uh, Yo MTV Raps or MTV in general. It's got to look like this. It's got to be X, Y, and Z. Right. And uh, I think everyone was kind of trying to find their way. Um, but it was interesting to me because I could listen to Public Enemy and NWA at the exact same time and not be bothered by you know or or or. Not not having to influence me so much that I wouldn't I would choose one over the other. You know what I mean? I could listen to right. NWA. 
and I could listen to Public Enemy. Right. As soon as, that tape, as, soon as I flipped that tape over about four times, it came out and then in went to NWA or the EZE. So I was getting both of those worlds at the same time. And it, I don't know, it just, it, it felt good. You know, that music felt good. When I first heard Public Enemy's music, it just made me want to do something. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, when you look at those type of artists, they put their artistry and their career on a line to deliver a message. Every single time. That was right. Every single line in those, especially the early songs were right. You know, and, and you gotta imagine these are these are these are guys in their twenties, college students navigating, you know, life. You're you're when you're that young you're able to absorb and experience so many different things. And it's, I think it's easier to express them because you don't have a lot to lose by saying something that might, might rub people the wrong way. When you're younger, right. you can be more brash. And, and uh, you know, I just think that they were able to, to tell a story that somebody, an, an established artist would be like, Ooh, you know, your record label's mm-hmm. controlling you a little more. Your, your, your narrative is getting controlled a little more by record sales because, listen, when you're broke, you don't care. You're like, I don't, I don't care. I'm, I'm broke. I, you, know, you, can't, <laughs> you, can't, you can't hurt me any more than I already am unless you're going to put me in jail. But you're not putting me in jail for music. So Arrested Development's like, first mm-hmm. album was like full of like, like gems, man. Just like, you know, things that... Um, Mr. Wendell, I used to love Mr. Wendell. Well, yeah, Mr. Wendell was good. <laughs> Things that were going on in, you know, the black community and, yeah. um, just, you know, you have to have that type of time to, like, set aside so that, you know, you can, you know, reflect and let your thoughts flow. You know what I'm saying? Because it can't be all, you know, kicking it, partying, drugs, and women and men all the time. It's got to be Sometime where you just like you sound crazy. Of course it's good. <laughs> you lost your mind. What do you mean you can't just <laughs> women? What? Naki? I don't know. I think we might have to end this show on that note. <laughs> right. Right. We got to change it up. But also, I think an artist told a complete story with an album, right? There was a intro typically there'd be an introduction on an album or there was some thought to it there was okay we have track one track two track three track four in the album and uh, maybe not in, in not any particular order but the album usually reflected what that artist was going through or feeling at that time or something that inspired that artist to make it to the album now i think that music is is so like you know that instant gratification the just dropping it as as you make it like it's hot yeah yeah there's just (laughs) (laughs) hold on a second have you seen that tiktok which one the 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 one they use that nelly no oh yeah hey you know i uh (laughs) i I made a post about that you know because yeah i was saying like how uh if your girl hears that on your phone She's gonna side eye you because she, <laughs> oh, she, she know what's about to happen. Oh, so she I saw you post that. Yeah, yeah, you ain't supposed to be looking at that around her. <laughs> I, 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 in fact, I talked about that on the radio this morning, 
And I was like, ooh, should I have even mentioned that on the radio today that I've watched like a hundred of those? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it's you can't help it. It's kind of like, you know, they're very scrolling. addictive. They're very addictive. That's for sure. And it, one person said you have to have that one earbud action. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's amazing that, you know, all of the vehicles that that young artists have now to get their their music out there and there weren't these before right you either got on the radio or you didn't and there's so many artists because you know when we go digging in the crates at these record stores you go oh god look at that produced it's produced by x y and z and that producer is solid but i don't know this record and you put it on you're like this song would have been a hit you know but mm-hmm. it's just about if that record company had the money to put behind it or if they wanted to get behind it did they have some contract negotiations that they were dealing with so as a, a crate digger we run into that all the time when you, you, know, you find a, a an album and you just wonder why didn't that song blow up that that's such a great song but it's, it's good for us we get that record for 99 cents right <laughs> and you can remember the days when like an album was like seven songs man you know you had four yeah. on side a and three on side B and sometimes an extended mix or a couple of remixes here and there. It was like, uh, bonus. they were called the bonus track, <laughs> right? You got to have a bonus or the, or the hidden track, you know? Yeah. And I think as time went forward and people started doing more and more and more, sometimes to me, it can get overwhelming because, you know, I can't listen to 25 songs. Like, on one, you know, on one album, it's going to take me some time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know? I mean, especially what happens, I think, especially with new artists, the difficulty is there's no dynamic in it. It sounds every track is either sped up by like, you know, four beats per minute one way <laughs> or four beats per minute the other way. And you're like, oh, this all kind of sounds the same. It all, you know, maybe it's got a great little hook in it, but that's typically what the buy is on music now is the hook. Like if that hook is enough to get people to chant it or repeat it, that seems to be the go factor with, with new music, uh, right. new, new hip hop music, you know? Yeah. Music. As long as it has some little part in it, you can make a six second video. <laughs> right. <laughs> good. So basically the, the challenge for you is the six second. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's true. We need that, you to come up with a six-second interlude. That's how long you have people for now. <laughs> I, I, I always kind of just, it, it just, it's so good that we get to play the music that we get to play because it's such a great era of of music. You know, you think about the late '80s, the the early and mid '90s. I mean, that was just hip hop wise, crushed it. And then you know. The early 2000s, even in the early 2000s, production levels got so much higher than the yeah. old production. And, you know, being able to multi-track vocals and, and all the additional uh, production pieces they were able to put together in the early 2000s. I mean, it, it just sounded good. It's, it's just good sounding music. And not to say that music now doesn't sound good. I think that production wise, you know, those those songs have a place and they do sound good in the clubs and they sound good in a car. Um, but I just don't know if those are the kind of messages that you want to hear 24 hours a day. You know, some of no, those, messages. you have to change it up in the nineties. 
that's when it's not it wasn't censorship but it was definite day partying so yeah. they would choose when they would put the, these this music on right, right. the hip hop music if you're playing in a top 40 station it typically went on at you know six o'clock to seven o'clock at night in, in the overnight hours you would hear some of these these hip-hop songs and especially if they had you know you couldn't say i'm gonna smoke some weed in a song remember if you said oh. smoke weed right imagine yeah. saying smoke i'm gonna smoke a joint in the 90s on a record that record <laughs> might not get played number no. one number no. two it's all uh bleeped out it's not even reversed it's smoke bleeped. every day yeah. <laughs> Kush conflict from chicago dropped their record hey they couldn't say smoking on the clean says strolling on hey <laughs> that changes the the meaning narrative and the meaning. remember when silk dropped uh freak me freak me yeah and they said let me lick you up and down and everybody was like oh my god you can't say that you guys are perverts <laughs> but you know what and, and here we are we're kind of laughing about it and it's all just isn't it sort of the natural progression to the porn that we're at i mean yeah we're uh, we're so, there i think we're there it's so graphic now i mean it really is it's like we're there i'm gonna put my boom in your mouth and that's right your, and my thumb is in your butt and you're that's like what you're, she said that's exactly <laughs> what she said <laughs> you're like you're like and you're you're in the car and i and i'm telling you i, I i've had that rude awakening with my kids in the car too and then i go well you know what it's not like they haven't heard their dad cussing because I, you know, I cuss and, and I'm just like going, but it's really, I don't know. It's, it's, you don't want censorship, right? We don't want censorship, but we do want responsibility. Right. And, right. and I think, I guess ultimately we're responsible for what is played in our cars, right. Or in our households, but it's tough when, you know, your, your popular radio station or your, your, your top 40 radio station you know, artists are saying the same things uh, in their in their pop songs. So I don't know. I don't know. I just it just seems really sensationalized sex, and it doesn't need. I don't think every message has to be that message, and it just seems to be what they think is a secret sauce to make make uh, records sell and you know, listenable. And that's probably our fault. That, that's and that, that's a consumer's fault too. Not demanding. Well, money. we definitely have a, a hand in it. You mm -hmm. know, maybe a small hand, but um, my strong <laughs> hand. Let me. <laughs> <laughs> my strong hand, man. But and and it was when you think about like the old school R and B, they were talking about sex. Trust me, oh, yeah. those songs were talking about having sex. Mm -hmm. They were so brilliant in the way they wrote and sang those songs that you 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 knew and you were like going you were kind of like laughing behind <laughs> your parents' back, right? Because it wasn't overt. It wasn't like I'm going to do this to you. It was like I'm gonna whine you and I'm gonna dine you and then you're gonna hit those silk sheets and you know you're like whoa. They kind of snuck it. They were sneaking it in back in the day. Uh, you know, turn off the lights, Teddy Pendergrass. You already knew you what know? that meant. You know what that means. If we ain't going to sleep. We're not going to sleep. But if you're my age, you're going to sleep. But when you're <laughs> younger, <laughs> you're like, turn off the lights and light a candle. Yeah. You know it's what going that means. Right? It's, it's going, going down. down. It uh, is going down. 
so I, I think that with those old censorship rules, I think that, that creative people were able to navigate it and write better. I think you could write better. They had to. Yeah, you had to write. If you wanted to get your song out and get your, your, uh, your, your music out there, you, you had to write better. I think yeah. now you're like, oh, we'll just bleep every other word of my song. You're still going to play it anyways. You listen to some of the songs, they're unlistenable to me. I'm like, how can you play that? How can you put that song on at 10 o'clock in the, in the morning, 10 a.m., and half of it is bleeped or turn, you know, reversed or a chicken crowing or whatever they have in there to, to cut out the, the cuss words? You're like, why even play it now? If you're gonna bleep, If you're going to bleep half of the words or if that's the way you wrote the song, that you can't change it because that's the word in the hook. Right. <laughs> I don't with you. You're like, okay, well, <laughs> <laughs> I know what that song says. Right. Like, what, what? <laughs> and my, my, yeah. my, and my five-year-old kind of knows what that song. Is. <laughs> You'll be surprised, man. These kids know a lot. They, uh, yeah, man. They, uh, they go, dad, they I heard you singing that song. I heard you at the house singing the song. I'm like, oh, no, you didn't. Yes, I did. No, you didn't. <laughs> yes, Wasn't I me. did. Wasn't me. Yeah, so I don't know, man. I, I just think that it's, I guess it really is, and we always say this, it's really up to the parents, right? If you if you want to, uh, you know, monitor what your kids are listening to, you, you have to take the time, and you can't just put it on autopilot. Like, you can't just put flip an iPad in their face or let them sit down in front of a video game or let them just listen to the radio. You have to take a vested interest in your kids and their development when they're younger. Uh, if, 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 if you have some issues with newer music, I think that that's probably the correct answer. Um, it's just difficult, though. It's difficult if every song coming out is that's the messaging. You know what I mean? That's that's for me. That's the difficult. Part. Yeah, but there's got to be a combination of the, the artists wanting to make different content, too. And then that goes back to just yeah. how they're being raised and what they're being exposed to as people. So that sounds a hell of racist. Listen, that's not what I'm saying. Man, you, uh, you didn't uh -oh. hear what I said. <laughs> here, we here we go. Here we go. Here we go. You're, you can't be doing that, man. <laughs> what I do. <laughs> what I say. <laughs> what happened? Hey, what did I say? <laughs> what did I say? You said those people. Right, <laughs> those people. Oh, <laughs> Who are those people? It's artists right. making explicit content that you're talking about. You know, they have to want no, to, and there's got to be a market for it too. So I mean, that's the thing. Does an artist want to like scribble their their heart out, or do they want to? Well, I'm going to make money if I if I sing like this. You know. Let me ask you guys this: since it's National DJ uh -huh, uh -huh. Appreciation Day or National Whatever DJ Day, National DJ Day. <laughs> what DJ? inspired you guys to get into DJing? Mine, obviously, was a guy named Cameron Paul. And uh, he was, at the time, the biggest club DJ in San Francisco. He DJed at a place called Studio West. And I, and I happened to go there when I was 16 years old. I was taken there uh, like on Christmas Eve or something by my, my uncle. <laughs> I was... Uh, like your uncle? <laughs> yeah, my, my, my mom's younger brother uh my uncle james shout out to james villamonte uh yeah he took me in the whole like all of every all the the uh 
you know, the younger adults went to Studio West and they had me put on like a little sport coat and a little, a little tie. And I, I went in there like they're like just rushed, rushed me in there. And I'm 16 years old. And that's it for me. I lose my mind. And then I go upstairs and I look across at the DJ and I'm watching this guy. Uh, and I'm like watching him watching. I go, man, that song just keeps playing. I mean, I don't know how that, how does he have that song? It just keeps, the song just keeps going. And, and then all of a sudden I go, wait, that's a different song. And then I'm up there for, you know, 30, 40 minutes just watching this guy. I'm looking at him. I look down at the crowd. I look back at him. I go, this guy controls this whole thing. This guy is, is, is putting the smiles on these people's faces. He's creating this energy, this excitement, this fun. I said, I want to do what he's doing. That looks like fun. Because I was kind of shy. I go, that looks like fun. That looks like something I want to do. So that was my starting point. At 16 years old, uh, you know, that was like in the you know, 70s, uh, seeing this guy, Cameron Paul, DJing. And uh, so I started, I got a fake ID and I just started going to this club every weekend and eventually befriended the guy. And he taught me, you know, everything I know about DJing. And so I was very, very blessed and very lucky to have this guy as my mentor the the number one guy the top guy in the bay area and then he won national dj contests as well so i was i was a lucky lucky kid you know your biggest dj influence is dj oh, appreciation he's, he's day right here it? it's billy vidal hey oh come he's on billy, that's man. awesome i'm oh, blushing <laughs> i'm blushing look at the tears oh look at the tears yeah man used to <laughs> my earliest memory of of being interested in like playing with music though was probably junior year of high school i remember i had this friend ron and we were like in a radio shack looking at turntables but to me it was radio shack was it was but it was what? always unaccessible i didn't have a job yet and you know it was like that's never gonna happen so i used to always brush it off but what i did do in high school is used to sell burn CDs and walk around the hallways, you know, like make mixtapes and, and do stuff like that. Um, do it. Got a burner, you know, get bootlegs, bootleg the bootlegs, <laughs> you know, like make oh, mixes for people. And then, uh, and then I used to play around on the computer, you know, I was like, well, I have a computer. I, what can I do? And I used to chop up sound bites from songs and kind of, you know, create kind of stories or make it sound like it's, it's saying something with different, uh, with different things so then then i meet billy and this guy's like you know club king of san francisco <laughs> you know like king get get carried out of king. his nightclub when i turned 21 <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. King. and then just general you know just hanging out and started out just just seeing how it's done and i can relate to how he said shy but for me this my shyness is i would much rather keep busy when I'm around people. I mean, look at me now. I'm, you know, played just playing background stuff for us, but <laughs> I would much rather like stay busy. I can't just stand there. I, I'm not very good at sitting still. So I tried it out. He put me in the garage, said, here, do this. He left and he was like, <laughs> came back, was like, okay, cool. And the best was when I started learning. Oh, you, you want to switch a song? Yeah, sure, sure. Okay. So I, I would switch it and then he would leave. <laughs> <laughs> you sitting there holding the bag. Like, oh, no. so, Billy's gone for like twenty minutes. You know, he's hey, like, "What am I gonna do?" 
I, I, I would come back and I would just see just beads of sweat all over his face. He tried. He was like this. <laughs> take him, take him, please. Oh my oh, goodness, man! So yeah, take the headphones. That's how it was. Uh, to the car. But that's how, you, that's how you learn. That's how you learn. Really. Yeah, that was really what pushed it. Was was that? Naki, who was yours? There was a guy. Uh, may he rest in peace. Uh, there was a station here called uh, 106 Jams. It was the only station in Chicago that had uh, that played hip hop. Um, um, they played local artists, um, everything. So this guy, his name was Pink House. Um, he was the guy that you go to if you wanted to get your record on the radio if he was a local artist. So he was responsible for pushing. I don't know about that. I don't think so. I think he was more. I think he was. More, he was more of about big up in the city. Okay. And getting Going the city, uh, getting the city viewed as an equal. When you look at East Coast and West Coast, there was no Midwest hip hop at the time. That was that was like on the national radar. It was it was bubbling. It was coming. So he would do these in stores at this place called George's Music Room. And my friends and I would definitely take the bus all the way up to George's Music Room to go to these in stores to meet these artists and meet him. And, you know, we were too young to get into clubs, but, you know, we knew about what he did on the radio because he would talk about it and we would tune in every night. And so I got to meet him a few times when I was in high school and uh, he eventually, you know, he passed away uh, my senior year. So the guy Pink House was the one that inspired me to become a DJ. And uh, his movement was, was huge, man. He was responsible for so many artists. And so that's, that's my guy, Pink House. Yeah, you know, I, I was lucky. Um, like I said, I, I, I got to learn from one of the best and, uh, but you know what I was also able to do is I was also able to facilitate, you know, I've always been a good coach, um, like with judo, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm good coaching. And when I played football, I was able to like tell guys, you know, how to get into their positions, you know, so I was always kind of good at coaching and I was also pretty good at spotting talent. And, uh, when I became, um, vice president of, promotions for uh, big nightclubs in San Francisco, I was able to recognize some talent and put a lot of DJs on that normally wouldn't have got to, to spin in these, this big massive venues. So I've been blessed, you know, to be on both sides where, you know, somebody trusted in me as a DJ to let me go out there and make mistakes and play. Right. And I was able to like reciprocate that. And I have put like, lots i don't even know how many lots of djs on uh during the course of my my dj and, and, and nightclub career and and radio career and i think that that probably is the best feeling you know of course you love playing you know you love being a dj you love playing for your crowds but you also love to get acknowledged by other djs and say, hey man you know what thank you you like let me find a passion you let me create a livelihood where i probably wouldn't have had one and, and, you know, so that's really cool to me is like having that come back around 
and someone saying, hey, thank you very much, man. You, you were actually the guy who put me on. Hey, thank and you I'm very like, much, oh, man. Well, you're the guy who put me on. Oh, you're welcome. Love it. <laughs> I was just telling, I was just actually <laughs> telling somebody <laughs> about, I said, you know, living in the Bay Area, I got a chance to listen to a lot of DJs and I, 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 I put my top DJs uh, from when I was out there that I saw live, you know, of course, you know, Billy, you were in there. Thank you, sir. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, Mike, you're in there. I'll give it to you. Well, thank you. Um, Aaron, the era. Aaron, Aaron is dope. Oh, dude. He's dope. And Poss Red, man. Pause Red's a beat. Pause Red. Oh, Pause Red right is just so like dope. And Pause Red I, is probably one of the the one of the best DJs in the Bay Area. Yes, definitely does not get his just due. He doesn't. He doesn't. And, and I don't know what the reasoning is behind that, but Pause Red can rock a crowd from beginning to end. Yep. And uh, you know, I and, and I've I've actually judged. Uh, DJ competitions Paz Red has been in and you're just like going this guy's he's destroying everybody <laughs> he's, he's, he's incredible incredible he's and, and the thing is Paz Red is you know we're, we all have our DJ egos that's the thing and of course you know when you when we're all out there as DJs we kind of have our our, our, our egos and Paz Red has never and it's funny to me because you just you see him, he's this big guy, and you just kind of feel like, oh, he's he's it's a little bit intimidating. But man, the guy is very humble and he's and he's a dope DJ. So it's it's surprising to me that Paz Red, for whatever reason, uh isn't like a better known DJ. He's a great DJ, so you can't take that away from him. He's a great DJ. I just think nationally, nationally. Yeah. He should be a better known DJ. He is he is definitely yeah, yeah. one of the best out there. Yeah, man. I, no I had I'm the, glad you brought up Paz Red. That's that's a I good had the point. pleasure of, of uh working with him at one of our events. Oh, uh, you did? Okay, cool. Cool. Uh it was one of the uh uh Q102 events, and I was just so amazed by his record selections. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Paz got it, man. I mean, he was just like beasting it. And I was like, yo, and, oh, you know who else I forgot to that I wanted to put in mm -hmm. there too. Uh, Fuse. Oh, DJ Fuse. Oh, DJ Fuse. Well, and li listen, ask DJ Fuse who put DJ Fuse on. <laughs> I, I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure. He, I, I'm sure he knows. <laughs> I'm sure you did. Of course. But yeah, Fuse is dope, man. I put <laughs> Fuse is definitely dope. Uh, shout out to DJ. Uh, hold on, he's in the chat room. Um, man, I don't know what the your name. Two live uh, crew, you play some two live crew there. DJ Barely, yep, Barely Daryl. <laughs> he uh, Barrel Daryl. Oh, double, double Barrel Daryl. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's double Barrel Daryl. He, he was helping us is. earlier. Yeah, I oh, got okay. it. It's funny is I was looking for some old uh, pictures to post. I was like trying to figure out, you know, I wanted to post a picture for National DJ Day. I said, you know what, I got to pull one out. That just like you know, kind of, kind of back, back in the day, and I ran across one with uh, Daryl and myself. Double Barrel Daryl and I worked together at KML way back in the day. Daryl was on the the street team, and uh, 
And, uh, but you know, like I said, we've, we've been friends that far back and Daryl's a great DJ himself. He's, you know, he, he's doing stuff on Twitch and, uh, we might be having him here at the radio station soon too. At, right. at too. So we're, we're working all that out. Um, but Daryl is a, a great guy and he's got a ton of musical knowledge too. And that's the thing that you're going to find Nas. I mean, Nas. <laughs> I I'll take it. Nice hey, I'll take it. <laughs> I'll Back take it. Uh, is uh, is a lot of DJs in the Bay Area are are pretty well versed. Like the ones who are out there working, like working DJs, are pretty well versed in music. And I think a lot of it has to do with the mix shows, uh, like a Jazzy Jim and and the rest of the mix show uh, guys who you know, and Alexander Mia, these guys who've led these mix shows on the big stations. They brought in the DJs that were instrumental in a lot of the nightclubs and in the streets and uh and that sound there's just like this great foundation of music coming from the the bay area because they really do know their music history if you got to that that another level you know what the foundation songs were that, Mm -hmm. that, that moved music brands to a certain place and you were able to put it together and put it in a mix show and uh that's why you'll hear a lot of djs you're like wow dj how does that how does that, you know, because Aaron the Era is not 50 years old. No. How does a guy like Aaron the Era know that music and play that music so well? Because a lot of guys can have these songs. They just don't know when to play they these. They don't know when to play them. <laughs> and I, I know a DJ. I won't say his name, mm-hmm. but, you know, he's from the Bay. And he's one of those DJs that just plays the wrong record. At, at the right the time, wrong time. <laughs> <laughs> definitely time. at the wrong time. It's like sometimes you know he can, he can be in a groove, like you'd be like okay, and then he'll play one record after that and just like lose it, change the groove. You lose the crowd. You lose. Well, the I'll tell you, I'll tell you the biggest. I think I think as a DJ, where I think a lot of us will go off, the, and I'm, I'm just as guilty as the next DJ, uh, probably not. It doesn't happen to me as much, um, but it's to get caught up in beats per minute. Mm. I think DJs. Yeah, I hate that. It's it's so comfortable and it's not not risky. And you're like going, okay, I've got 30 songs that are 98 beats per minute. (laughs) I'm going to go play all of them. I'm playing them all. I'm going to go from whatever alphabetical order or have, have them in your in your crate. You're gonna even this Ashford and Simpson. I'm about to throw this Ashford and Simpson. 98 beats per minute going in, and uh, I think that that I I got this advice, and I forgot which DJ gave it to me, but it was a big DJ back in the day. He's like, man, I don't let beats per minute dictate what I'm doing at any particular time of the night. It shouldn't. It shouldn't. You have to know the music. That's how you know how to work the crowd right knowing the music and knowing the records you gonna get the most response the records that mm-hmm. you're gonna get a ultra response it's just knowing the music and i think that's probably outside of knowing technique as far as you know blending and and things like that i think knowing the music is one of the most important attributes you have to have that right well i, I just know as a club dj there used to, it used to be 
if you were lucky, you had an opening DJ. You had a guy that that started warmed the crowd up as people were coming into the club. Then you got to come on and and then carry the load, and then maybe got to leave a half an hour early. So you let that guy stick around, say, "Okay, close it out for me." You take the last half an hour with slow songs. Uh, before, when you were a club DJ, you spun for four hours minimum. Yeah, yeah. Minimum, yeah, yeah. you were spinning for four hours. Yep. Yeah. So you had to to learn how to make your music work for you where you're, you were taking these, you had these peaks and valleys, right? You were taking them up and down and you know, you always wanted to kind of at midnight, hit them with the bit, the best songs at midnight. Well, you know, what happens is you get caught into like little DJ sets and you get predictable. Yep. And basically was what this DJ was telling me was like, don't be so predictable. Don't come in at midnight and it, every time at midnight when i show up you're playing that song because you're so used to wanting to get that reaction yep you need to like change it up you need to like surprise people every once in a while so that's what made me expand my library like expand what i'm playing you know oh i, I forgot i want to tell you we did a party out in the, in the bay one time and it was uh i forgot you could you, i think i know what it was you had you were double booked Oh, so remember you had me. Oh, go. Yeah, no, I remember you. You had to spin at the. Uh, I was right, and I was spinning mezzanine. with Aaron. You know, they, closed, right. they closed mezzanine down. They did. Yeah, man, it was oh, a great wow, day. Damn. Down. Yeah, Double I had book. to. I had to spin with uh, with Aaron, right? And so right. it was a guy that was on before us. I don't know who he is <laughs> or whatever. He was just doing his thing. So me and Aaron was like, all right, so. He was like, so you want to go first? I was like, yeah, I'll go ahead and, and, and knock it out. And so dude did his thing. It was cool. It was all right. So when I got up there, I started playing like nothing that he played because, see, I think he was trying to play all the, the you know, the, the hits or whatever. Or whatever. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, he's trying, he knew, he's trying to do you he in. He knew we were coming. He knew yeah, we were coming. Do you in. Yep. So I totally went different on the set and i went into like uh like some dip set you know some jay-z mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. just that went totally left from what he was doing still kept it in the uh same 90s same vein lane. era and when i got done you know what he said to me he you was bastard. like damn man he was like, damn, man, I didn't know I could play all. How you get to play all that? I didn't know I could play that. I, I could have played that. I huh. was like, I'm not going to play what you just played. Right. I'm going to do something different. So he was kind of salty because we got a better reaction. Of course. On a wave that we went and versus what he was doing. Well, you know, what's funny is, is when you talk about like, there used to be a level of, uh, I guess respect for the the headliner as a DJ. You got to. You you had to you had to say, listen, I'm going to steer clear. I'm going to I'm going to do my thing. I want people to know who I am, mm -hmm. but I'm not going to trample the headliner and take ten of the biggest songs that are out right now and play them back to back to back to back to back, and then go and then turn the the turntables over to that guy. Because you know what? He'll never want to work with you again. Exactly. You just burned a bridge with the big guy. <laughs> so you had to you had to really be creative. And that's, yep. I think, the whole nightclub process. I had to learn to be an opening DJ. 
I didn't get to go because I had some Instagram, you know, 20,000 person following that I got to be the headline DJ. I had to pay my dues. I had to learn how to navigate the opening set with what I had. I could, you know, I couldn't go and, and take Cameron Paul's 10 biggest records before he hits the, <laughs> the turntables. And that would be like a grand opening, grand closing for me. So I had to be able to figure out what songs are going to get the same sort of reaction, building momentum to when he gets on the decks. Cause that's what he wanted me to do is like build the momentum to when I get there and then I'll take it the rest of the way. And that's what an opening DJ is supposed to do. But you have now, uh, you know, like clubs are promoter driven. So they had their five guys that had 10,000 person email followings, whatever it was. Right, right, right. I'm going to put them all on as the DJs and sell it out. And that really changed the nightclub game like in the in the early 2000s going into like, you know, the, the mid 2000s was when the promoters were driving the vehicle and it was being driven by social media and how many followers these kids had versus how talented these kids were to DJ. Right. It, it, I remember it, it, in, in Chicago, we used to have like it was this one DJ. His name was DJ Vince Adams. Oh, that man. son of a bitch. None. <laughs> <laughs> this guy, man, yeah, DJ man. Vince Adams was so like dope. Like with, oh, with just like uh, his uh, music selection and everything. And and but he wasn't like a, a, a hype man, like on the mic. He was just like a straight record guy. So the first time we worked together, um, this is my first hosting gig when I got my, you know, full time radio job on um, WGCI in Chicago. And I met him, talked to him. He said, hey, man, why don't you grab the mic and, like, you know, pump up the crowd a little bit, right? So I started doing it. And so then I started giving him cues on songs to play because then we started, we came up with this thing called the World Tour uh-huh. where we would start, you know, East Coast, we'll work our way to the West Coast, then we'll go to the Bahamas and Jamaica. You oh, know, nice. the music would change nice, nice, nice. throughout the, the set. And people was lining up week after week to hear us play and do that as long as that club had lasted in the city. So he knew the music. Only thing I do, I had to give him the cue. We, let's take it out west. So let's take it to the east coast. So let's take it to the islands. And you know he'll he'll play that. But when you look back on stuff like that, you have more of an appreciation for the DJ that knows the music and knows how to deliver it versus right. the guy that rides the BPMs all day. Oh yeah, and the guy just like he goes, uh, "What's the uh, top ten songs that are out right now?" And then plays those top ten songs. You're like, hmm. That's not that's not exciting at all. You're not telling the story. You're not you're not you're not moving me at all. I mean, I could have just go sat in my car before I came into the club. Right. right. <laughs> but you know, right. that's a, it's a great way to uh to you know kind of wrap this up is is paying homage to that the the DJ, uh the guy who's probably struggling right now. I gotta imagine that most oh, yeah. DJs yeah. aren't able to do what they want to do. And, you know, I know that a lot of guys are starting their Twitch channels like, like us, but mixing in Twitch and, you know, that still, you know, you get a response, but it's not the same energy you get, right? When you're DJing in front of a crowd, live, man. right? DJing live, all those endorphins that are in the room, you put on a song that moves them. 
you know, you get chills. You're like, ah, oh, yeah, you know, this is, that's what we as DJs do. And that's what we love to do. And a lot of the guys right now aren't able to do that. So it is National DJ Day. And I just want to say thank you for all that you DJs do out there and how you uh, present yourself and how you present this music. I appreciate you. Happy National DJ Day from, from one of the oldest DJs on the set. You have to respect the culture and respect the DJ because a lot of things don't move without the DJ. I mean, regardless of the way streaming is and, you know, the way things are, if the record doesn't hit the DJs first, chances are the record may not pop. Trust the process. Trust it. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Michael? What's up? You, you want to shout anything out or you want to just say bye no nah, just bye you? see you guys <laughs> no i just <laughs> i guess national dj day thank you guys for mentoring me and uh man yeah i miss that rush of of being in a crowd and room full of people yeah. as much as we i know billy and i talk about the place we used to dj down in that basement and you know oh my god it's so hot down here but it's a lot of fun too <laughs> like you know I, I, like, I used to love that spot yeah man, man. That was cold. i mean i used to love that. that was fun shout out, shout out to the guys at barbarossa yeah oh, man, shout out to the guys at, at, at retro junkie yeah uh, hopefully you guys will be back online um and then all the other clubs that are around the bay area and and in chicago too hopefully uh we can get this uh vaccine out to everybody and resume normal life normal life not not you know the new norm normal life hopefully we, we can uh, resume normal life again and get back out there enjoy music the way it's supposed to be enjoyed with live performances right and recorded in nightclubs on records and whatever everything else hopefully that's coming soon uh but yeah shout out to the dj happy national dj day all right we love you all right you guys <laughs> see you guys till next time three till next two, time one, one, one. digging in the crates digging in the crates Digging in the crates. Digging in the crates. Let's take it back.